Do we see at Groundswell this year, the 26th and 27th of June, close to London, UK? Many friends of the podcast will be there. John Kempf, Abby Rose, Benedict Berzo, Henry Dimbleby, Claire Hill, Russ Carrington, Andy Cato, Tim Coates, and many, many more. See you there. You're going to listen to an interview with Shamik, co-founder of Pharmazin. We're going to talk about the issues facing Indian farmers and how Pharmazin is trying to bring back old methods of natural farming while using the latest technologies and using this tech to bring these complex natural farming methods and rotation systems to smallholder farmers. And why India and China are very interesting markets when it comes to regenerative agriculture and how Shamik raised his first seed round from investors that weren't used to investing in anything but tech and software. Enjoy! Just a small correction, Shamik connected with me after and corrected me that not 25 farmers per hour, but 25 farmers per day commit suicide in India, which is, of course, still way too much, but luckily 24 times less than what we discussed in this interview. Welcome to another episode of Investing in Regenerative Agriculture, Investing as if the Planet Mattered, a podcast show where I talk to the pioneers in the regenerative food and agriculture space. To learn more on how to put our money to work to regenerate soil, people, local communities and ecosystems while making an appropriate and fair return. Why am I focused on soil and regeneration? Because so many of the pressing issues we face today have their roots in how we treat our land, grow our food and what we eat. And it's time that we as investors, big and small and consumers, start paying much more attention to the dirt slash soil underneath our feet. Before we get started... I've been recording these interviews next to my day job and I will definitely continue to do so and release about an episode a month. But at the same time, I would love to take this further, share more interviews. There are many more stories to share on investing in regenerative food and agriculture. More depth, improve the quality, maybe even doing some video series. So I started a Patreon community, which makes it easy to support creators like myself. If these podcasts have been of value to you, and if you have the means, I invite you to support me and make this happen. For more information, please find the link to my Patreon account in the description below. And now, without further ado, the interview. Enjoy! So welcome to Investing in Regenerative Agriculture, Investing as if the Planet Mattered. I'm Kumar Sain, your host. In the podcast of today, I'm talking to Shamik Chagravati, co-founder of Pharmazin, based in Bangalore, India. Farmazin, everyone can rent mini plots of farmland close to the city. You choose your vegetables and farmers then grow them organically for you. And you keep track of the harvest using the app. Basically, it's a real-life version, organic version of Farmville. Welcome, Shamik. Hi, Gwen. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for making the time. Just to start with a personal question, after a career at Amazon and other high-tech jobs, what make you, made you go back to the land and start something very, very different um, close to Bangalore. Right. So I think uh, there are two reasons for that, right? One is as a consumer myself, uh, I don't have access to uh, chemical-free food, which I can actually trust, right? Because uh, the supply chain of fresh produce in India, the way it works is that, uh, let's say I'm buying something which is being marketed to me as organic, and I go ahead and uh, place an order on an online site. The unfortunate thing is that because there are so many intermediaries in the supply chain, a lot of times the produce that comes to me is not really organic. And most consumers now know this as well. So there really is no source for uh, or a very limited source for chemical free food for Indian consumers at this point of time. Because most of us believe 
that what is being marketed to us as organic is not really organic. Okay, that's number one. So for from my personal perspective, I wanted to have a source of chemical-free food. On the other hand, uh, farmers in India have a big problem. In the next half an hour or so, as we talk to each other, uh, probably about 20-25 farmers in India are going to commit suicide, right? And uh, a large reason for that being income problems. And we'll talk a little bit in detail about uh, what sort of issues they face. So that's also something that we have been talking about a lot. We read it in newspapers, we see farmers protest, etc. And we wanted to do something around this. So these are two of the reasons why we said, let's do something very meaningful. We have built a lot of technology in various different companies, Yahoo, Amazon, etc. But let's do something for India and something which actually impacts a lot of lives. Now, that's amazing. And and can you just, because I did a very brief introduction, but can you just walk us through uh, what Pharmazen is, what it means, how long you've been operating and, and how it's going, basically? We're now in November 2017. So what's the current state of affairs? Okay, so we launched somewhere in June, so not too long back, right, about what, five months back. The idea really has been uh, to, the easiest way to explain how Pharmazen works is think of it as a real life farm bill. Right. So just like we used to play this Farmville game on Facebook and we used to get a patch of land, plant different things, then harvest them, take care of them, all of that stuff. So this is very similar. The only difference being is uh, that you don't earn virtual coins, you earn actual vegetables right? while doing that. Which seems much better. So uh, consumers basically have an app which is available on both Android as well as on iOS. They use that app to control a mini farm. A mini farm is 600 square feet in size. It's divided up into 12 raised beds. Uh, there is already drip irrigation, etc. set up and consumers pick and choose what they want to grow in each of them. India's uh, climate kind of allows us uh, to grow multiple different veggies all throughout the year. We don't have a very strong uh, winter season, etc. for example, right? And uh, in the app, they keep on seeing a bunch of updates, right? So, for example, when their tomatoes are flowering, they would get an update in the app and they would know what's happening. When it's ready for harvest, they can come and visit the farm, harvest their own produce themselves. They can also come and volunteer at the farm, etc., but very often what happens is people get busy, right? They might be able to come for four weekends and then there are deadlines at work, etc. So they get busy for uh, a couple of months. And at that point of time, we would actually do a home delivery of their veggies. So we would harvest it and deliver it to their homes. The way this works internally is we, uh, we operate in partnership with farmers, right? So farmers are responsible for land, labor, water, electricity, uh, supervision. So the production aspects of it, right? While Pharmazen takes care of everything else, right? Uh, marketing, customer engagement, customer service, uh, all of the technology behind it. And I'll explain a few bits of tech pieces that we have as well. Uh, all of the inputs. So we want to make sure that the farmers use high quality seeds, high quality organic inputs. So we supply those to them as well, right? Uh, and the deliveries. Usually most of Indian farmers would not be able to afford or even take out the time to have a delivery truck and figure out how to do these deliveries. So we take care of that as well. So it's just like, for example, when you have the Amazon marketplace, right, where sellers sell their products, but Amazon takes care of everything else, right? So it's very similar to that, where we work in a partnership with farmers. Now, uh, the so the consumers have an app, right? Similarly, farmers have an app as well, right? And the reason farmers have an app is because most of the farmers that we partner with, they have typically grown maybe three or four different types of vegetables before, right? And they specialize in that. Many of them have come from a monocropping sort of a background. Whereas in our situation, it's completely multi-cropping based, right? Which means that, for example, currently uh, in this season, we support about uh, anything between around 40 to 50 different types of vegetables, right? So uh, these farmers obviously do not know how do I manage, what sort of planting regimens should be used, what pests could attack each of these plants, 
so they don't know all of these things so which is why we created an app for the farmer as well right so uh, wow to really take care of that education part to go from the monoculture to 30 40 50 different vegetables that's that's a huge step that's correct so what this app does is uh, it acts like a smart to-do list right so it's like a to-do list for the farmer so the farmer goes to his field and he sees okay there are these five tasks that i need to do today i there's a new customer who has come in i need to plant on bed number one i need to plant tomatoes on bed number two i need to put broccoli bed number three i need to put kale right etc then they see okay that was the planting task okay after two days we need to put a uh uh, microbe inoculant into the uh, soil right so i need to start preparing it and i'll tell you a little bit about how we try to uh, uh, create these microbe solutions etc and we try to do them in a very natural way rather than actually buying a lot of inputs from the market so uh, we we tell them what is the formula for creating that right and what they need to do so it not just helps them uh, in terms of figuring out pest diseases planting regimens but it basically gives them a very structured to-do list remember a lot of farmers in india are not even uh, uh, literate right so which means that our app needs to be extremely simple so our app basically has voice support so they could click on an icon right and it will basically read out the instructions to them uh, in their language that this is these are the five things you need to do today once they do that they click a big green button and the update goes to the consumer right so the consumer knows my plants have been watered today de-weeding has been done uh, this specific organic fertilizer was applied so they keep seeing all of those updates which means that when they get delivery of their carrots for example right they can basically go back into their app and they could see okay these carrots were sowed on this day right this is when the uh, uh, things had a pest attack and this was what was applied on it right and this is when it got ready so they pretty much see the entire traceability aspect of it so that's how this works now just taking a step back why did we uh, do this right I talked about this whole chemical-free uh, stuff. So the reason why farmers in India use chemicals is not because uh, they don't they don't care. It's because they don't have any other option, right? Farming in India is a big vicious cycle, right? Where most farmers, on an average, they make very little money, uh, uh, the, not enough to actually have a living wage, right? The problems that Indian farming faces are as follows. There is a big problem with respect to uh, financing, right? Uh, there is a lack of access to adequate credit in the system. Uh, the risk in the agriculture value chain is completely uh, skewed by towards the farmer, right? They produce the most value, but because uh, there are so many intermediaries in the supply chain, but farmers take most of the risk, right? The retailer takes very little risk. The uh, commission agent who's there in the middle, he takes very little risk, right? And so this is one part. Second part is there is also a lot of price risk as well, right? Very often the farmer might have spent two, three months uh, getting a very good yield of tomatoes. And when they go to the market, they realize that the prices have crashed so much that it hardly even covers the transportation cost of taking it from the farm to the clearing house, right? So that's the uh, second problem. A bunch of distribution inefficiencies are also there uh, beyond the fact that there are up, on an average about five to six intermediaries from farm to fork. The other big problem is that there is a huge lack of cold chains in the Indian scenario, right? The cold chains that we have in India is hardly enough to cover 10% of what is actually required, right? So which means that there is a lot of wastage of produce as well, right? Uh, in fact, the estimates in India are about post-harvest wastage is almost 40 to 45% right across multiple different type of agricultural commodities so there are a lot of distribution inefficiencies 
In addition, there are also production inefficiencies, right? Uh, farmers have limited access to quality inputs, uh, know-how, technology, etc. The typical way that the farmer operates is they go to the local seeds and pesticide shop, right? And they go and uh, ask this guy, hey, what do I grow? What should I grow? Right? And the local pesticide shop owner kind of acts as the plant doctor, right? And he basically tells him, this is what you do. If there's a problem, put these chemicals. If that problem comes, put that chemical Z, right? So this is how it operates. Uh, along with all of these inefficiencies, the other big problem is that average farm size holding in India is very small. So 85% of Indian farmers own less than four and a half acres of land. Uh, and this average farm size is actually declining every year, right? So the farms are getting smaller and smaller. Uh, because they're being cut up because they go down in generations. Absolutely, absolutely. You are right. Because they're uh, like, there was one father, he had a four acre farm. Now he has two sons. So the farm is going to get divided between them, two acres, two acres each, right? Uh, so because of that, uh, uh, the average farm size being so low in India, uh, the problem is, I mean, just and from a comparison perspective, uh, an average US farmer has about 100 times more land than an average Indian farmer, right? Um, now, so coupled with the small farm sizes and all of these inefficiencies, what happens is that it's extremely difficult, probably even impossible to earn a living wage, right? The typical farmers that we talk to now, uh, they, they are within a 20, 30 kilometer range of the city at the at our current stage at Farmism, right? And what we see is they make about uh, somewhere around five to 6,000 rupees per acre, right? Uh, as their monthly income, which means just to put it into US dollars, that's less than $100 per acre, right, per month. So you have a, uh, and most farmers in India, although the median size I mentioned is uh, about four and a half acres, if you talk to most farmers, nine out of 10 farmers, they'll say they have about one and a half acres or two acres of land, which means that they're basically, after putting all of this hard work, they're ending up making a, uh, uh, like a couple of hundred dollars, right, per month, right? Uh, and that too, it is not guaranteed. Because of all of the risks that I mentioned, there's a big risk that crops will fail, in which case you have put in uh, three months of effort, you have taken a loan to buy your seeds, etc. And then you are supposed to get your uh, uh, $200, $300, and that just vanishes, right? So because of this, farmers have been committing a lot of suicides, etc. in India. It's a big problem in India right now. Now, what do you do if you're a farmer and you know that if you make a mistake or if your crops fail, uh, you are going to lose all of your money and you will not have money to eat, right? What do you do as a farmer? As a farmer, you try to reduce your risk. And the easiest way to reduce short-term risk is by adopting practices, growing practices, which are harmful to the soil and environment, right? So you will end up using chemical pesticides. Although as a farmer, you know that it's probably killing your soil in the longer run, but you will end up doing that because it's a matter of your survival. So that's what has been happening with the Indian farmer. And because of this, it's not just a problem with the farmers. This is all affecting consumers as well, right? Because India's topsoil quality, which was amongst the best in the world, has been deteriorating rapidly, right? Because of a lot of this chemical farming, etc. Uh, the Historically speaking, uh, India had a very, uh, very interesting culture of uh, doing farming in a very natural way, what's called natural farming, right? Very similar uh, uh, to some of the principles of Fukuoka's natural farming, for example, right? So we try to adopt a bunch of those sort of things also uh, uh, at Farmism. Um, there is a renewed interest in regenerative agriculture in India. Uh, Andhra Pradesh, uh, one of the states in India, for example, recently said, hey, we are going to uh, adopt zero budget natural farming. Uh, 
uh, and I'll talk a little bit about the zero budget part of it. But see, the, we are going to adopt zero budget natural farming as the preferred methodology of farming. There's another state in India, very small hill state called Sikkim. Sikkim has become the first organic state, right? So everything that's grown in Sikkim is completely organic because the government does not allow anything inorganic to be sold uh, in terms of imports, etc. Right. So some of this is already changing, so which is good. But we wanted to uh, uh, kind of participate in this process of reviving Indian agriculture in a way which is fairly sustainable. Right. So that's the way uh, this thing works. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. And, and it raises, obviously, a lot of other questions. I think the, the mission is enormous, extremely important and at a very interesting interesting time. I mean, uh, the, the focus in general, I think, on, on food and quality and what actually is in the food you're eating plus transparency and what now is possible uh, with technology puts you at a very interesting moment. Now, I was wondering, the, the farmers and the farms you um, you work with and you partner with, how do, how do you keep track of the soil and the land and, and how do you keep track of what actually is the farmer putting in his app, what, is he, what he or she is doing, that it actually happened? Absolutely. That's a great question. So uh, various parts of our business model have been thought through from various different directions. For example, uh, you mentioned right now, what's the guarantee that the farmer is actually doing what he is saying, right, when he's clicking on that big green button? So a couple of things. First of all, uh, we encourage our customers, right, uh, farmisans, to visit the farms as often as they can, right? Even if they don't come every weekend, every two or three weekends, they end up visiting the farm. They end up doing stuff on their own, etc. So which means at any point in the farm, let's say, let's take a farm which has 200 uh, subscribers, right? So they are the sensors basically for you. Correct. So th think of it as a crowdsourced audit, so to speak, right? So that's one part of it. The second thing that we do is we actually send out uh, drones, right? And this is where some of our earlier technology background kind of help us. So what we have ended up doing is uh, usually agricultural drones, etc. are quite costly, right? And they might not be, uh, they might put, uh, put a big cost burden. But what we have done is essentially use consumer level drones, right? And we have built some technology on top of that, which helps us monitor a lot of these things, right? So we send our drone out to the fields uh, 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 every three, four days. What that does is it does, it takes a fairly high resolution image of all of the mini farms in the, uh, in the farm, right? And these are all individual beds as well. So for example, if you have 200 subscribers, that's 200 into 12, 2,400 different raised beds in which uh, crops are growing. So we get all of these high images of high resolution images of each of those beds, right? Those get uploaded to a central server. Our horticulturist or slash agronomist who sits in our uh, office, he basically gets to see all of those images on a daily basis, right? So now let's say a farmer has marked in the app saying, uh, I have done de-weeding, right? Usually in natural farming, when you are not using weedy sites, etc., uh, weeding is a very large part of the effort. It will take 20-30% of the effort uh, easily, right? So the farmer has said, hey, I have done de-weeding on this side of the farm. But the horticulturist could see it and he could see weeds in the picture, right? So he knows that, okay, what he uh, said is not what is being done. So then he can intervene. So these sort of things. Also, this allows us to monitor things like growing growth stages of the plant, right? Yeah, and to, to adapt your coaching app for the farmers, of course. Not just because if they don't do something, but maybe some of the growing is going differently than you imagined. So we can intervene immediately. So that's the second aspect of how we try to uh, monitor this. Third thing, and this I think I have not highlighted so far, and this is actually the most important aspect of it, is that our business model is a subscription-based business model, right? So consumers pay 
2500 about 40 dollars per month uh, consumers pay which includes everything all the deliveries all the inputs their renting of the farm whatever right now because of that farmers are assured of a income every month right so they have zero incentive to apply chemicals or take short term measures because essentially the consumers are taking a large part of the yield risk on them right so thereby the farmers do what is right for their soil see end of the day farmers are uh, a lot more sensitive to the fact that uh, 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 the soil needs to be alive and good because their livelihood depends on it right and they have seen too many instances of soil fertility going down over time right it's a real partnership with aligned incentives so which is why because of these incentives uh, there, there is basically no reason for farmers to do anything which is outside the system because they get paid based on inputs not based on outputs which is a fundamental shift from how agriculture always has happened right no definitely and and to give a, a state of of uh, just to do a, to do a picture at the moment the end of november 2017 how many people of course if you're um okay sharing and, and shared to the level of you want to share how many farms how many people are are on on the platform sure so right now uh, we just we are just at i think five farms right now right a few more are launching right and we are at about uh, 350 customers right now uh, our target is to reach about 2000 subscribers uh, by january so that's happening we are not demand constrained right now uh, we are more supply constrained in the sense that what we want to do is uh, uh, we need to find always the right farming partners right uh, to make sure that this is a farmer who uh, who's also equally committed to sustainable farming right so uh, and a very interesting a lot of the so initially we started trying to reach out to farmers directly etc and we saw that it was difficult to convince them because they are quite they would have a lot of uh, they get confused with the model is the, are you sure this is something very new etc but what's happening now is the existing farmers they are referring other farmers right and they come to the field see how it's working see the fact that they have been able to get uh, 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 customers going etc right and that they are get, making their money as well and this thing is working so once they come to the farm see it then they are also trying to uh, build it up but we will still we will we will still not very quickly go to 50000 subscribers etc because there are a lot of things we are discovering as well primarily with respect to the production process right which we want to make sure that those get solved with time for example since we are doing everything in a natural mode without any uh, pesticides etc Pest attacks are a big problem that we are trying to solve, right? And we are also learning while doing this entire thing. So the way we try to solve pest attacks is by fairly standard mechanisms. So we plant uh, trap crops, right? For example, mustard greens, etc., which basically attract the pests and they leave the main crops aside, right? So those sort of things we are also experimenting with specific biocontrol agents as well, right? Introducing uh, predatory insects into the fields, etc., which eat other insects and bugs, right? uh we also do a bunch of different things for example and some of these are very specific to india as well for example uh we have this flower called marigold right and we plant a lot of marigold between our beds because uh not only does it attract pollinators but it also ends up uh, there, uh, there are alkaloids in the roots of marigolds which repel a lot of pests right so there is a lot of learning that's happening at our end as well so our farmer app we are updating with all of these things so we want to make sure that we grow gradually not grow uh, absolutely suddenly with a lot but so we see a lot of consumer demand though and usually what happens is uh, uh, there is some level of virality 
in how this proposition works, right? Once a consumer starts getting his produce, of course, it's it's amazing to share. Like right, the, the vegetables from my farm just arrived. Of course, I put it on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So most, uh, so we haven't. Uh, we just started. In fact, we just started uh, experimenting with. Uh, uh, advertising etc maybe have spent like a hundred dollars so far but uh, otherwise so far all of these customers have clearly come through word of mouth and one existing customer introducing another customer right and telling them hey i'm going to the farm next time can you come interesting thing is see uh india cities are also uh, we have become concrete jungles there's not too much of greenery there are not too many public parks inside the city right now these farms are all located within perimeter areas of the city so these are also turning out to be good spots to just spend your you know you go there on a saturday afternoon and spend 3 4 hours there right uh, maybe do a picnic there so these are also starting to develop as those sort of spots just green areas where you like to spend your weekends at because of a lack of public parks uh, uh, in the city right so when somebody comes to a farm they invariably get a few friends along right and they say hey we are going to have a small tea party here right so those friends come in and they say oh can i sign up for this okay let me get onto the wait list so that when it opens up uh, we'll sign up for this right so that's how most of the growth has been happening oh, extremely extremely interesting and and just to take one step back and and look at the control of, of what i have as a subscriber versus your organic rotations that's something you can manage obviously but if i keep saying uh, with all my neighbors i want only carrots how, how much space is there for for your agronomist and and horticulturist to to really manage that and build up the soil and put all the, the vets versus the control as the subscribers have. Do you want to learn how to invest or are you an entrepreneur and want to build companies in the regenerative food and agriculture space? Or do you work in big ag and big food and want to really move the needle? We have developed a new video course for you. Find out more on investinginregenerativeagriculture.com slash course or in the show notes description below. Sure. So uh, if I understand the question, what you're saying is that can they grow multiple different things in different beds or do they grow just one thing? Is that what you're asking? No, I'm, I'm yes and no. I'm mostly looking, I mean, for, to build up your soil, uh, in general, you need quite a complex rotation system. I mean, you need you as, as a farmer, you need to be in control or as in this case, an organization above the farmer. Uh, or next to the farm need to be in control and figuring out okay it may be better this year to put the tomatoes there instead of there um, but how how does that does that clash with me as a subscriber that that maybe wants the tomatoes there absolutely so that's a very good point so the way we do it is when so when people click on a particular bed in their app right and they say okay um, uh, i had tomatoes growing here and i need to rotate the crop so so they click on the bed and then there's a recommended list of crops right so we give them this is the top most recommended. Ah, okay. You're already down. Yeah, you already decreased the amount of options and basically, and also teach people about rotation. Correct. So, so basically, they can still choose something which is not recommended. So they can still go ahead and plant tomato. But we highlight it in the app, saying that you know what, your yield is at risk. The soil quality will be at risk if you do this. So they still have the freedom to do oh, it. Wow. But we make it very obvious to them that if you do it, it's not good, <laughs> right? Try to. These are the recommended ones. Right, and they choose from that recommended list. It's extremely interesting and a big education part as well. I can can imagine because most people won't think about that unless you are in farming or natural farming. Absolutely, there are some very interesting features which we are launching in the next couple of months in the app. So we are trying to gamify uh, to incentivize users to for the right behaviors. Right, 
So the way we are trying to do this, and this will be, so I'm just giving you a sneak peek, this will be launched fairly soon, is that as they, so let's say we want to uh, have consumers come to the farm because it's beneficial for our business model, it's beneficial for consumers to see it, right? So it's very important that consumers come to the farm. So how do we incentivize that? So when they come to the farm and they do a check-in at the farm, right, we will basically give them some points, right? Similarly, other sort of behaviors, as so they can chat with other growers also inside the app, right? So they can converse with other growers. And we see most people using that to share recipes, etc. Because many people are also discovering new types of vegetables. And they are like, okay, I'm going to plant this, but what can I make out of this, right? So... Uh, so people use that uh, the in-app in chat to share a lot of recipes, etc. with each other and in general discussions, learning about farming and things like that. So we want to encourage conversations there as well, right? So the idea is that encourage for all of those behaviors which we want our consumers to do, which are beneficial for our business and for the community, uh, we will incentivize them with specific amount of points, right? Now those karma points or whatever, they could redeem uh, for various different interesting things. Uh, so we are trying to do a few tie-ups with natural and organic farmers uh, on the fruit side of things, right? So, so the idea is that if you are a very engaged vegetable grower, right, because you are doing a lot of actions on the app, you're coming to the farm, you're volunteering at the farm, you might end up accumulating enough points for you to basically buy a bunch of fruits as well. And those fruits are going to get directly delivered for certain farms, right? These are not going to be in the farm bill model that we're doing because you can't do it for fruits easily, right? Because fruits have a very long, uh, just a same cycle, etc. But what if you could earn these karma points and then redeem them against fruits, right? That's something that we are uh, uh, trying to do. Yeah, to slowly add more of your, you know, more of your daily shopping uh, coming from something. And you, of course, partner only with with the organic fruit farms. You can actually trace and trust and are transparent. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to take a couple of minutes telling you a bit about our uh, uh, the farming methodology that we try to follow, right? The pillars of it. So the three or four key pillars of it is uh, <clears throat> one is instead of adding a lot of compost, etc. from outside, which uh, using industrial compost can be questionable, right? Uh, it's great to use home compost, but when you use compost that is being manufactured in a factory, right, there are certain issues with that, right? Uh, for example, in hot Indian summers, uh, 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 that compost actually decomposes and releases a lot of uh, carbon dioxide, etc. into the air as well, right? Because we have fairly hot summers and stuff like that. So what we try to do is more of following, put in a lot of mulch once your plants have grown, that prevents the weeds, that prevents evaporation of water. It gives more shelter for earthworms, etc. as well. Then on top of that mulch, uh, put microbe solutions and those microbe solutions are not microbe solutions that you buy from the market, but things which you create at the farm using ingredients which are available very nearby, right? So. Cows are a very important part of that because what we use is we use cow dung, cow urine. Uh, we use uh, uh, jaggery, local jaggery to provide the energy for the microbes to multiply. We use uh, pulse or leguminous flowers, flowers as in uh, uh, like cowpea flower, etc. Those to provide the protein that is required for those microbes to actually do cell division, right? And we use those to create microbe solutions which then you pour onto the mulch so that they start decomposing the mulch in situ, right? Rather than adding compost from outside. So that starts forming the top humus layer, for example. The second thing is that these microbes that you introduce to the soil, and most of these microbes uh, uh, die away when you do chemical farming, etc. right? So when you introduce these microbes into the soil, they form a good relationship with the plant roots, right? So they help the plants absorb a lot of the minerals which are already there in the soil, right? Uh, 
just like just like microbes in our body right inside our gut help us absorb a lot of the nutrition right similar thing exists with bacteria and plants as well with mi- microbes and plants as well right and we just try to kind of unlock those sort of things and in our uh, the way we plan our farms etc we put in a lot of moringa right where uh, that's very good for nitrogen fixation for example we put in a lot of pulses etc as intercrops right uh, those kind of uh, help do again a lot of nitrogen fixation so what we are essentially our philosophy is that uh, nature already knows how to grow things let's just give nature a toe hold and get out of the way right that's what we try to do so we don't uh, try to add too many different inputs only just as is necessary when you talk about pest repellents for example again you could use things like neem oil etc which you can buy from the market or you could choose to make some of these insect repellents right uh, a bunch of these insect repellents can be made by crushing leaves of various different types of plants which are typically available in many farms right or in and around those farms right so you crush those leaves together right make a juice out of it and then you spray that on so we are trying to follow a lot of these indigenous recipes so to speak right from both the inputs perspective from microbe solution perspective as well as from pest repellent perspective rather than buying uh, stuff from outside there are of course some things that you need to buy uh, from the market as well but the idea is that uh, one is about regenerative agriculture secondly is about reducing the reliance of uh, farmers on input companies right and this sort of agriculture has actually been practiced in india for hundreds and thousands of years it's just that in the last 30 or 40 years we have kind of forgotten about a lot of those and tried to take systems from outside which uh, were not really meant for our small farm situations yeah you basically i mean looking back at the history of farming in india this this last 30 years was a very small blip in in history and and now hopefully in the next 10 20 30 years you move back with all the technology you have now obviously to to the natural and, and this gets very close to the zero budget farming but actually done in a high tech way and done in in soil measurements and soil uh, technology that we have now obviously that they probably knew in the time before but we've lost that sort of sensitivity to to reading the soil correct so basically the way we think about it is that we need to use technology to improve things etc but let's also not forget what worked in the past right and try to combine them together very 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 interesting and what's your vision in terms i mean you're building up your you're adding new partners obviously but what's your long term vision for for this company is it going beyond vegetables are you going to add maybe at some point are you going to add fruits Are you going to go to a more perennial system where trees are part of it? Is there a meat part or dairy? What 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 are your ideas? So I think uh, uh, we definitely want to focus only at this point of time, at least uh, in the next couple of years, only on the fresh produce side of things, right? But there are essentially what we are about is connecting consumers to farmers and making consumers a part of the production process itself, right? That's essentially what we are trying to do. Uh, so the way it actually manifests itself might be different in the mechanics from what we are doing currently for example just to if if you consider our current thing about uh, as a as a real life uh, farm will right uh, maybe what this could evolve into later on could be for example a kickstarter for farming right <laughs> uh, let's say grains right let's say we want consumers to be part of the production process of rice right now rice of course you need to you cannot do some of these techniques that you're talking about or this this sort of a model would not work maybe the consumers could focus on uh, you know 
let's say the consumers uh, are growing rice uh, in collaboration with the farmer and they keep monitoring it through our app, right? The farmers similarly have an app which helps them actually manage their farm and stuff like that. So all of those pieces remain the same. The difference being that now that, uh, let's say, two tons of rice have been created in that farm, uh, we provide the market linkage part of it, right? And we get that rice to the market. Uh, some of it we deliver to the consumer for his personal use, but the remaining gets sold and the proceeds get distributed between the farmer and the consumer. And maybe we take a small cut out of that, right? This is one model that this could evolve into if we choose to grow into things beyond fresh produce, right? Our immediate plans, though, are uh, for the next couple of years, we just want to get to five or six cities in India, um, get to 20,000 subscribers in each city. So about, let's say, 100,000 subscribers each paying uh, uh, $40, $50 per month. That's our... Uh, uh, initial plan, right? Once we get to this, then we'll think of how do we expand into other things. I don't think we will get into uh, uh, meat or dairy, etc. Uh, it's a very different business, right? So I don't think we'll get into that. Oh, and, and of course, with the size of the market and the size of the issues you mentioned before, just in fresh um, produce, there's or there's there's a lifetime of work to do. So I don't want to distract you, but I'm just interested in the vision. I'm very interested in and um, what you mentioned before on, on the sort of kickstarting uh, Kickstarter of, of farming because uh, new models like that could fix a lot of the issues you mentioned before, take out some of the incentives, some of the incentives that are really uh, destroying soil, destroying farms, farmers' life and, of course, destroying our health. So that that's interesting to hear that there's at least a thought and at some point uh, probably uh, also the time and the resources to do that. So the other interesting thing, because you bring up the dairy, etc. part of it, See, uh, I mean, if you talk to uh, folks who work on uh, work with the environment, etc., right? A lot of them will have a lot of comments to make on how the dairy industry has been a, has played a big role in destroying our environment, right? So the interesting thing is that at least the sort of agriculture that we follow, we used to follow in India, and which we are trying to bring back, depends a lot on integrated farming using cows, etc., right? Using farm animals to create a lot of the inputs that are required right which goes back to into your soil so that's what we are trying to do so uh, maybe there are some aspects for example with if you have one cow in your farm right you can actually uh, create those mi microbe solutions etc and fertilizers for almost 30 acres of land right so as any of these small farmers uh, we highly recommend that if you have four or five acres of land just keep one cow that cow is going to give you a lot of inputs uh, uh, in terms of what you use on the soil back in to enrich it but you're not you're not having the cow because you want the meat or the milk, uh, but you're having it because it's part of uh, a farming system, a natural farming system, which is a very different mindset, obviously, um, than than growing as many cows as possible in a factory and and sell it because of that. Very interesting. As we're bringing up, I mean, you, you brought up the Kickstarter, etc. I want to just touch upon for for a few seconds on investing and investors and and uh, the money side of things. You have raised a, a seed round, which I have to congratulate you with, obviously, because I don't think many in, in the regenerative agriculture space are now in that process or are thinking or are looking, but there are not too many that actually did it. Can you talk a bit about that? How did these discussions with the investors go? And, and were they interested? Obviously, they were because they joined, but were they interested in the model and how far, um, how difficult was it to do that? Sure. So I think uh, a couple of things. So when we started talking to investors, etc., I think first was, and we started talking to investors even before we launched our first farm, right? So obviously there was 
initially some hesitation from invest uh, from potential investors that hey this sounds like a very crazy idea <laughs> right it does not uh, uh, sound like okay see in india a lot of investments happen because there was let's say oh there is a uber which succeeded in us so let's do a uber for india right or uh, uh, there's Uh, 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 some other company in US, which let's do that same model in India. So a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of investing in India happens based on models which have worked elsewhere. And this was a very new sort of a model, so there was obviously some hesitation around it. But when we launched our first farm, that got uh, subscribed by with uh, I think 79 subscribers within like a week of launch without doing any marketing, etc. Right. So that immediately investors got started. Oh, okay, looks like uh, there is adequate interest for something like this. The second thing was. is it possible to actually grow so there were a lot of hypotheses around production which we wanted to prove out can we actually produce enough food to replace 70 80% of the vegetable requirements of a small family right of a let's say a husband wife and a kid sort of a family can you do that through just such small areas so that we were able to prove that as well so once these two proof points were there that there is adequate interest and uh, it's possible to actually do this production then investors then uh, folks that we started talking to they were a lot more receptive right uh, we ended up uh, uh, but still uh, we decided to take a a smaller round right so we raised about 300k usd and we raised it from uh, uh, from one fund one institutional fund called venture highway right and uh, remaining folks are all angels so it's angels and one institutional fund very very interesting and did many of them i i can i can imagine all actually did they visit the farm or was it very different from what they expected so uh, people did visit the farm uh, uh it was i think they were quite intrigued to see that oh this is actually working right so uh, some of them did visit the farm some of them did not because they were actually not in the city right uh, some of them are based from delhi and we are in bangalore yeah no that's it but and i can imagine it's been a while for many probably visiting a farm especially one that's working and also make it producing a lot more than the typical the typical small acre farmers right. very interestingly because obviously we were talking to investors etc before launching the first farm so out of those 79 subscribers three of them were vcs <laughs> three of them were uh, folks who work in venture capital farms <laughs> yeah no that that was going to be my question i i imagine i mean any good investor would try the product before they if it's there obviously would try it before making the investment and and also just to see in general if it works and for the farmers how can you i mean you've been let's say farmers and soil been 6 7 months into into uh, the first farm how, what has been the difference for them and for the soil and and has it been a steep i can imagine a steep learning curve absolutely so i think two or three things one is that the current farmer at least is making almost uh, four times what he was making earlier right four to five times wow so that's number one number two is that it's predictable right so he it's not depending on okay whether my crops will succeed so not only have his risk, uh, returns have become four five fold but his risks have become very minimal right the only risk that he faces is that oh maybe things don't work out well and maybe con- subscribers uh, cancel and there is some Uh, time period where there not all of my mini farms are sold out right so uh, that's the only risk that he faces which has not turned out so far so far that farm has been always completely sold out etc so for 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 farmers it's a big win now from the soil perspective uh, the best example of that we have seen which kind of tells us that the soil is becoming much better is that we now see a lot of earthworms in the soil earlier we couldn't find any 
right so this specific farm what was happening is that this was left uncultivated for some time uh, for a couple of years after that millets were being grown in it so one of the issues right and this is something important to talk about as well i was mentioning that we curate specific types of farmers etc right so ideally we want to work with land which has not been used for some time or things like millets etc have been grown because millets is a very hardy crop it's a grain crop it's a very hardy crop so nobody uses pesticides on them right because we want to use land which is not already ridden with pesticides because it takes quite some time to go uh, those pesticides to drain off etc right so which is why it's important for us to also select the right farmers because if the soil is already hurt using pesticides we don't want to expose our consumers to that right so ideally it should be land which is not being cultivated right now and just lying there or maybe you are growing fodder in it uh, so it's usually lower quality land which we then start uh, enriching right and we see a lot of earthworms that have come up into the soil now right now if you dig up into the soil you'll see a lot of earthworms so that's one of the like proof points for us the key indicators yeah and what does the farmer think of all the people that come now to his farm and and see his farm almost as a of course as a supermarket as a way where their food comes from but also as a park right so for him it's actually uh, it's interesting initially he was not used to this right because see uh, from a farmer who was completely focusing on production now he is somebody who needs to he sees somebody coming to the farm he smiles at him etc so initially there was definitely some adjustment period right where uh, uh, he had to also learn that okay folks are going to come visit my farm right because so far it was my farm i do whatever i do here so there was definitely an adjustment period around that but i think uh, uh, after a period of time people st- uh, the farmers also start enjoying it because people start volunteering right so there's one of our customers right now she is a yoga teacher during the early mornings right so early morning she would do her personal yoga classes etc she would teach at an institute and then uh, after lunch uh, she would basically come and spend 4 hours at the farm right every day Uh, every day other than weekends of course uh, so like five days a week she would come to the farm spend four hours not just working on her plot but pretty much volunteering with everything that the farmer is doing right so the farmer that's a great thing he know now knows that he uh, when customers come to the farm some of them will probably become volunteers and will help him with his labor right so that dynamic works out well and um just to ask the final question because i want to be conscious of your time um i'm i'm always imagining there are a lot of smart impact investors listening to to this podcast and they're all ready to get into regenerative agriculture they've heard it or they're ready to get into minimum input or zero budget or natural agriculture whatever stamp we put on it what would be your advice if you would be talking to to smart let's hope uh, let's hope smart impact investors that want to get into it the space what they should look out for uh i think see when impact investors look at things they need to Uh, i think they need to have a much larger investment horizon right or a payback horizon than in other industries right because very simple things right let's say that you are investing in a company which has come up with a very different production technique right it's going to take quite some time you can't like uh, you can't tweak your model or you can't pivot your model in a few months like you can do in other sectors or other businesses right so that's something to keep in mind that you probably need to think about your investment horizons uh, that's number one number two i guess uh, uh, I think both India and China are actually very interesting markets to look at from a regenerative agriculture uh, point of view because of a couple of things one is that the soil quality has been deteriorating rapidly in both of these countries right second is also uh, the fact that both of these countries are kind of a little trust deficit countries right where 
consumers don't trust even if something is mentioned as organic certified etc right uh, so i think a large number of opportunities are coming up around that right how do you like build trust by getting consumers uh, connected back to things etc and i think a large number of these opportunities are in india and china right now that's an extremely interesting point of view it's uh, definitely and they are two of the biggest markets in the world and and in need of so much and there's so much growth still going on there probably hopefully we can avoid some of the mistakes we made we made here and we went down a bit too far to the right and maybe or to the left depending on how you look and now there you are still at a crossroad although the situation of course is extremely bad with 25 farmers have committed suicide actually more since we've been talking but there's still there's there's still way to go back to the agriculture with the new technology that you were doing 30 40 years ago so uh, uh, the other thing is some of the systems which are available for example if you look at uh, other countries right if you look at us in us uh, community supported agriculture in general uh, has been something which has been picking gathering steam etc over some time uh, there are about i think 15000 farms in us which follow community supported agriculture in general and that's their take in how to do regenerative uh, agriculture but i think whenever you are investing in any of these businesses you need to look at both the farmer side as well as the consumer side is there a consumer demand a and b uh, with the business model can farmers actually operate with that business model right because farmers in uh, uh, different parts of the world in developed countries etc might be a lot more savvy they might be able to do marketing themselves right or if you give them some tools they might be able to use it and do their own marketing and things like that right but uh, the situation is a little different in countries like india right where many of these farmers are also not very literate so that adds a very interesting dimension and when you evaluate in uh, opportunities you probably want to see how are those situations handled right you came up with a new business model but how do you get uh, uh, not very educated farmers to also adopt those right that's a uh, uh, that's another angle i think you should think about to really take in the local situation into account yeah i, I want to thank you so much shamik for for taking the time and and sharing your your extremely exciting story so far and i think there will definitely be checking in um six months or a year from now to see where you're at and of course in the next years and years as the model is is getting better and growing nice talking to you too coen You just listened to an interview with Shamik of Farmazin. We really discussed how to reintroduce regenerative agriculture into the Indian agriculture system. Thank you for making the time to listen to this podcast and making it all the way till the end. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you have any comments or ideas for future guests, please share them on SoundCloud or Twitter. And if you think this content is relevant or interesting for someone else, please feel free to share the interview. And I hope to see you again here soon for more of these type of interviews. If you found the Investing in Regenerative Agriculture and Food podcast valuable, there are a few simple ways you can use to support it. Number one, rate and review the podcast on your podcast app. That's the best way for other listeners to find the podcast, and it only takes a few seconds. Number two, share this podcast on social media or email it to your friends and colleagues. Number three, if this podcast has been of value to you, and if you have the means, please join my Patreon community to help grow this platform and allow me to take it further. You can find all the details on patreon.com slash regenerative agriculture or in the description below. Thank you so much and see you at the next podcast.